Good morning to each of you. Greet you in Jesus' name. He is the reason that we are here. And we want to honor Him, we want to glorify Him and lift up His name. I could echo with the songwriter, as all of you did, the phrase, I am weakness full of weakness. Sensing the need of the Lord to direct me each day and each moment, but as I stand before you, I, I feel a need of, of the Lord being able to speak what He would through me. This morning I will be looking at continuing, the, the, looking into the covenants that I had looked at some in the past, moving on to the next covenant. We looked a bit at the covenant of, of dominion that God established there with Adam, with humanity there, and also the, the covenant of preservation with Noah. Things that he ex- expressed his will and his purpose to a degree, his commitment to man and what he expected of them. And as we move through the scripture, the, the next covenant, and it's one that we're maybe more familiar and uh, familiar with, and that is God's covenant that he made with, with Abram, Abraham. If you would like to turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. The background to all of these covenants is that God is God, that he has a plan and he will is and will execute that plan and purpose. And here we see God choosing. This covenant can be called a covenant of selection. God had promised a redeemer that covenant of redemption I hadn't mentioned earlier. God had promised that there would be redemption from sin. And here God starts that that process of of narrowing in on, on how that will happen. Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, excuse me, Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. So I'd like to go ahead and read verses 6 and 7. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim, unto the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Why did God choose Abram? Any thoughts? 
I'll confess that I spent a lot of time studying, but not near enough. <laughs> this subject is very deep and vast, and there's a lot here that can be looked at beyond. Yes, with him. Terah had started out of Ur and made it a little bit. And when he died, Abram went on. You know, the, Abram was the line of, of Shem. And I didn't go back and search into that a whole lot. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to answer that question. Why did God choose Abram? But the fact is, God did. And he had a purpose in it. If you look at the promises here that God made to Abram, Look at what all they encompass. He says, you go. I will make of you a great nation, a great name. I will bless you greatly. And then there's a very, thank you, Brother Reed. There's a, a key there in verse 3. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. There's a focal point here where God is saying, you are going to be a crucial figure in history, in time to come. We look back in history. The great implications of these promises are made to this man, Abram. As we move on down through Genesis, we see this come back up. This promise is God reiterates a number of times and the promise of, of the land and the prodigious offspring, a numerous offspring, is, is reiterated after Lot was given the choicest land in Genesis 13, reading verses 14 to 18. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot had separated was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land, in the length of it, and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent, and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So God just confirming I'm going to give you this land. Who else did God give land to? God had selected Abraham. God had made these promises. And it's not called a covenant yet. It is, we will see before long. On down in the book of Genesis chapter 15, after Abram rescued Lot, And the others of Sodom and Melchizedek. In chapter 15, verse 1, it says, and these, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And then Abraham brings some questions. Abram here, still Abram, as his same person, but what he is called here. He brings out some questions and he says, 
God, how are you going to do this? You've made these promises to me. I don't have any child. My servant will be my heir. How's this going to work? And verse 4 says, Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven. Before he said, Your offspring will be as the dust. And now he says, Look toward heaven and tell the stars. Count the stars. If thou be able to number them, and his seed be. And he believed the Lord, and it was, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? What? what how do I know that what you're saying is really true? It says here he believed God when he said he would have countless children even though he had no son. But here it's like he says, I, I want a little bit more substance. <laughs> I, I want to I I know. How are you going to do this? What sign? What seal? Whereby shall I know? And he said unto him, the Lord said unto them, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. When the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, or God said, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward they shall come out with great substance. Thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And then it lists all the, the people groups that we're currently inhabiting. Until some time ago, I didn't realize what all was, was happening here in this passage, and I still don't understand the full implications of it. But here... We have the same promises made as were earlier, but God gave Abraham, Abram, something to hold on to. And he told him to take these animals, and I don't know, we don't have recorded that he told Abram what to do with them. But there is significance in what is happening here. There is the passing between the pieces. By the burning, uh, burning, to call it the smoking furnace and the burning lamp. Abram doesn't do this passing through, but God does. And it's only referred to, I believe, one other place in Scripture, and that is Jeremiah 34. The idea of covenant being established by cutting and passing between. 
In Jeremiah 34, verse 18, it says, And I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant, which have not performed the words of the covenant which they have made before me, when they cut the calf in twain and passed between the parts thereof. The princes of Judah, the princes of Jerusalem, the eunuchs, the priests, and all the people of the land which passed between the parts of the There was something in that time, and, and he said, I haven't, wasn't able to spend too much time studying it all. You're welcome to. But the significance here of taking these animals, putting them in pieces, and passing between was a, a sure covenant agreement. And that's what God gave to Abraham in his, his question here. How do I know it's going to happen? And he says, do this. And now it's sure. I believe Abram understood what he saw. I believe it gave him, it gave him, it bolstered his faith. There's also the reality put forward that while he, he and his seed were chosen, there would be a delay. There would be, there would be time of testing. And some commentators look at these verses of the, the smoking furnace and the burning lamp and point to the trials and the sufferings of the children of Israel in Egypt. I'm not sure what all the implications there are. But God, get, let him know what's going to happen. And if you notice there, he says, the time of the Amorites is not yet full. Do you see God's purpose of something here happening? He also says that when, you come, when they come out of the land, I will judge the ones that they are serving. God's purpose again. So Abram had these promises, and yet there seemed no way that they could be realized because he had no children. And at Sarai's suggestion, we know Ishmael was born. And about 14 years later, God came to Abram to renew his covenant promise and to give some more clarity, some more details. And he says, while I have chosen you, I will further choose of you a son by Sarah. And that's in Genesis 17. God came here when Abram was 99 years old and the Lord appeared to him, verse 1, and said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. For sake of time, I don't know that I'm going to read this whole passage, but here he implements the, he, he reiterates the, the promises and gives him the token of circumcision as something Abram needs to do. And here he also changes his name to Abraham because he will be the father of many nations, it says. So he makes this, this covenant. God states the covenant, the, the circumcision being necessary. And on also says that Sarah will have a son. In verse 18 of Genesis 17, Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Why don't you just use Ishmael? He's my son. And God said, verse 19, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him 
As for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make of him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time the next year. I'm presenting to you that God had a purpose. And he selected Abraham. He selected Isaac. And I don't understand all of his purposes. And I don't think anyone does. But we can, we can see that there is purpose. In Genesis 21, at the request of Sarah to send Ishmael away, 21 verse 12, it says, And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is thy seed. It's like I promise to you that, you're, that I will make a great nation of, of you and of your offspring. And because both are, then I will honor that. Moving on to Genesis 22. Immediately following the, the test of offering Isaac, and I'm not going to get into all that, that Abraham thought and experienced, but he passed the test. He accounted that God was able to raise up Isaac from the dead, it says. He knew that God would fulfill. He had faith that God would uphold his covenant that he'd established back there in chapter 15. In Genesis 22, verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast. We said some of the covenants don't require response from man. And I don't know what would have happened if Abraham would have been unfaithful. But God knew the outcome. And while God is sovereign, God gives us choices. I believe we, we believe that God uses the choices that we make to bring about his purposes. You know, why did God choose Abraham? And I have memorized the verse in James where it says Abraham was called the friend of God. But I didn't know that that phrase is in Scripture two other times. Did you know that? In Second Chronicles 20, it says, verse 7, Art not thou our God? who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever. I think that's what James is referring to, these references. In Isaiah 41 verse 8 it says, But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham my friend. It's a little side, side note. But continuing on, we see this, this covenant, this agreement with Abraham and with his descendants. And in Genesis 25, when Rebekah questioned the Lord about the struggle in her womb. 25 verse 23, And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. 
And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. So here again, we had the, the selection narrowed at Isaac and Ishmael to Isaac. And here we have the selection narrowed again between Jacob and Esau saying, it's Jacob. The covenant is renewed with Isaac in Genesis 26. God comes to Isaac here in, in verse 1, chapter 26. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abram, Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven and will give unto thy seed all these countries and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge and my commandments, my statutes and my laws. How many times is this reiterated? I will bless you, your descendants. I will multiply you. I will bless you. And this blessing was passed on to Jacob then by Isaac. He reminds him of it in chapter 28, verses 1 to 4. And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger which God gave unto Abraham. And then shortly later we have God actually coming and confirming this covenant with Jacob himself. This was Isaac stating this. But then Jacob went and he lay down and had that dream. And he's lying there and he has the dream of the ladder. In verse 13 of 28, it says, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And lo, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awakened out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. A very, very specific and definite selection of men to fulfill God's purpose. As I considered this, I thought of an, of an illustration that may or may not be helpful. As we see here, God selected Abraham. We see a perspective of, of a selection, a very narrow selection. And that's what we've been looking at. God's promises to this man. Now, let's go to Galatians chapter 3.
a man and a people. I'm not sure how much of this to read. The the idea here is that it's by faith, not by the works of the law, that there is righteousness. Verse 6 says, Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Going on down to verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereunto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not into seeds as of many, but as of one, into thy seed which is Christ. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is of no it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. The, the covenant won't can't be changed. And he says, even in men's terms, when a covenant's agreed upon and the terms are set, it's it's done. So the law didn't change that promise of, of blessing to all nations. And then it goes on saying, what is the law for? Well, it's to bring us to to understand righteousness that God desired. Going down to verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's very briefly looking at, at how we tie in. We are partakers of that promise, of that selection that God made into Abraham and his descendants. Could I say that Maybe now we've expanded. We see more of humanity brought into that selection by faith. Those that by faith accept Christ are the children of promise, and we are Abraham's offspring. So, the church is the superlative end of all that God promised Abraham. We are it, right? Yes. And yet, I'll take you to some more passages that I think have been a blessing to me to look at and to think about. 
some scriptures that bring a slightly different focus than my former understanding of some of these things, which is very limited. Turn with me to, to Romans. And I don't claim to have all the answers here. I'm studying, I'm learning, and I'm sharing with you things that I've learned, and I'm open to input and, and discussion on these things. But here, Paul is, is talking to Gentiles. Chapter 9, I'm just going to pick out, it really should read 9, 10, and 11 all together. I'm not going to take the time to do that. But looking here in, in Romans 9, verse 1, it says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have continual heaviness and I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises. Whose are the fathers, and to whom is concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God hath, not take, hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are, are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time, Will I come and Sarah shall have a son? And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done good, any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. So we have a little bit of an encapsulation of, of what all we had said earlier of that promise but he says here in verses 4 and 5, you know, the, the Israelites have a special place. They are the ones that God made the covenant with. They are the ones that had the promises. They are the ones that had the fathers of the patriarchs. They are special people. Going down to verse 30. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Continue reading in verse chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Verse 4. How would you re restate that? For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You haven't had time to look at it. Think in a nutshell, Christ fulfills the righteousness that God expects through the law. And there's some other translations that put that in a little bit. Christ is the fulfillment of the law of righteousness for all of us who believe. And that, that's a beautiful 
principle and truth that we aren't necessarily focusing on, but it's something Israel needed because without Christ, they could not fulfill that law completely. But now he just says, I wish that they would understand the need for Christ to help them fulfill the law. Now going to chapter 11, verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm going to jump down to verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their salvation is coming through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. And now going to verse 20. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he spare not thee. Also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? And this could perhaps be the key verse that I want us to take today. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as concerning the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Another word used there in almost every other translation is for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. God will fulfill his covenant to his people. He has. He has been fulfilling. But you stop and you read through the prophets, and there are countless, not quite, you can count them, tremendous promises that God makes to the people regarding everlasting covenant, of bringing them back, of building them up, of taking care of them, and in my Bible, those headings all say the glory of the church. And I think we're living in, in experiencing the blessings that God gave to Abraham. We are the children of the promise by faith. Don't misunderstand me. But what does verse 25 say again? For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. I see a tendency to be conceited when we say, ah, we are, we are the children. Those, those Jews, they, they missed it. You know, we look back at, at the Gospels and we say, how could they miss Jesus? I mean, 
Here he was, doing miracles and fulfilling all this prophecy, and how could they miss it? Verse 25 again, Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the time of the Gentiles be come in. There's a word there, a transition word, and it's until. And I believe, by reading this, that God has greater things than just our narrow perspective, my narrow perspective today. And that is, that is iterated here in verse 29, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. I'm going to read the next few verses here then. Verse 30. For as ye in time past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so these also now not believe, that through your mercy they may also obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it should be recompensed unto him again. That reminds me of a number of weeks ago. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. What I see yet here, that while this is important, and while we're glad to be here, God has something yet perhaps bigger in fulfilling his promises that sometimes we miss. Whether it affects how I think about some things, how I live my daily life, I think there are some things here that make us think about that, our humility. But as I look at these whole things, this whole, this whole idea and concept of God choosing his people, of us being brought into that choosing, but yet God not being done, I am humble. And I'm also thrilled to think that God, I don't know what all, how God will fulfill his covenant and what it will look like in time to come. But is it a, consolation to you that God what God says he will do that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance and you know we have a promise that if we remain faithful we will stay in that tree and oh what a blessed place it is to be but let's never be high minded and it goes right along with our Sunday school lesson let's not think that someone else can't be part of the kingdom Let's not put God in a box and say, well, he can't do this and he can't do that. God loves all humanity. Scriptures make it clear. He had a purpose, and I believe he still has a purpose in Israel. You know, these, these concepts there in Romans chapter 11, my understanding, very limited though it is, is that the church took, an, took a, a pretty hard look on Israel and lying on Israel up until about the mid because there are prophecies that were relegated to the church that became relegated to people and they were brought back and I spent a good bit of time reading in Jeremiah and different of the passages and, and I, I don't have a clear picture but I have a heart that's going God you 
you know, you have a purpose, you have a plan, and I that just it thrills my heart to see how God has worked with his people and will continue. And I'm glad to be part of that. I'm glad to be in that picture as a child of Abraham. Just you are too, and this can can encourage your heart to study, to look for the truth that God has for each of us to understand.